Hello, and welcome to the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, brought to you by the North Carolina Sustainable Energy Association. I'm your host, Matt Abel. Squeaky Clean listeners, welcome to the 44th episode of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, where we bring you the latest in North Carolina clean energy news, policy, and more every two weeks. Before we get started, we have a few announcements to share with the group. Our partners over at the Chambers for Innovation and Clean Energy and Series are hosting a three-part webinar series titled North Carolina's Clean Energy Economy, What's Ahead, Why It Matters, and How You Can Make a Difference. The series is designed to bring together NC businesses, chambers of commerce, and state lawmakers to discuss the business, economic, and policy opportunities of clean energy in North Carolina in 2021. They actually just hosted the first webinar last week featuring Governor Roy Cooper and NCSEA's very own Ivan Erlob. The next webinar is coming up on March 5th, and the last one will be taking place on March 12th. To find out more, visit Chambers for Innovation. Next up, the 2021 State Energy Conference is just around the corner, coming up on April 19th through the 22nd. If you haven't visited in the past, it's a great opportunity to receive continuing education credits, learn about new energy solutions and best practices, and connect with other energy industry professionals. Also, we're especially excited to announce that there will be a live recording of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast at this year's Virtual State Energy Conference. To find out more about the conference and to check us out live, visit ncenergyconference.com. Okay, so I'm especially excited to bring you today's episode, something that's been top of mind for a lot of folks in the industry over the past eight or nine months since the senseless death of George Floyd last year elevated the long-standing issues associated with systemic racism that have long been overlooked across our country. This topic is something that the team here at the North Carolina Sustainable Energy Association has spent a lot of time grappling with. It has uncovered many of our own flaws as individuals, as an organization, and as an industry as a whole. While we understand our organization can only make a small dent in addressing some of the issues around systemic racism, we recognize the importance of doing all we can to at least make a small impact within the clean energy industry and our local community. This starts with the recognition that the clean energy industry has a lot of work to do on the topic of equity, diversity, and inclusion. From the surface level, our industry faces widespread issues of representation and diversity of opinions and ideas. It's pretty obvious anytime we interact with a large group of our partners, stakeholders, and members. To be honest, there are a lot of people in the audience that look, think, and talk just like me. That doesn't necessarily lead to an industry that's representative of the interests of the community at large, especially since energy touches nearly every person across the socioeconomic and demographic spectrum. We need to make sure our conversations are inclusive and diverse in nature so that the interests of all North Carolinians are truly represented when it comes to big policy, economic, and technological decisions. So, for that reason, we've decided to focus today's episode specifically on this topic, and we'll be talking to our new friends at the Renewables Forward Initiative, along with our neighbors at Leyline Renewable Capital, where we'll dive into their Leyline Addressing Racism program. 
While I may be able to talk about these issues at a surface level, I thought it was incredibly important to bring in NCSEA's Manager of Communications, Engagement, and Equity, who lives and breathes these topics on a daily basis to help guide us in these conversations. You'll have a chance to hear directly from Jordan Jones once we dive into today's interviews. So let's jump right into our first interview with our friends over at the Renewables Forward Initiative. Clean energy. Our first guest on the Squeaky Clean Energy podcast is the co-founder and chief executive officer of Soul Systems, overseeing strategic growth and performance, as well as investment strategy and services for the company. His disciplined focus on developing intrinsic value within a portfolio of complementary business lines has led to steady, strong growth for the company since its inception in 2008. The company has grown revenues over 800% in the last four years from its trading, fund, and asset management and development businesses. The firm now asset manages over $650 million in solar energy assets. Our guest is an elected member on the board of the Solar Energy Industries Association. He was also a 2014 Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year and named one of Washington Business Journal's 40 Under 40 in 2011. Friends of the pod, welcome Yuri Horowitz, Chief Executive Officer of Soul Systems to the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast. Thank you, Matt. It's good to be here as well. Our next guest on the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast is an expert in power markets with 30 years of development, finance, and operations experience. She is an accomplished investor and officer of public and private companies, having led investments of $3 billion across the electric sector. During her 21 years at AES, she rose to be a senior officer and built and ran the Mexico, Central America, and Caribbean division. Our guest co-founded Geo Global Energy, a geothermal company in the U.S., Chile, and Germany, which was sold to its investor. Subsequently, she co-founded Point Reyes Energy Partners. Now, our guest serves as the chief executive officer for Cypress Creek Renewables, a company with direct roots here in North Carolina, with 40% of their staff claiming our state as a home through their offices located in Durham and Asheville. Friends of the pod, please welcome Sarah Slusser, Chief Executive Officer of Cypress Creek Renewables to the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast. Glad to be here on this snowy afternoon. Fantastic. So let's jump right on into it. All right. To get started, can you both provide us a short intro to your companies? We'll start with Sarah on this question. All right. Well, I'm uh, Cypress Creek Renewables. Uh, we are a developer, financer, owner, and operator of solar and storage projects across the U.S. We have a significant presence in North Carolina. Um, and uh, we do both large-scale, large utility-scale solar and storage projects, as well as distributed generation. And Yuri? Yeah, um, Yuri Horwitz. I'm the founder and CEO of Soul Systems. We found the company I guess 13 years ago, 2008, uh, we provide customers with um, sophisticated and integrated uh, procurement investment strategies and expertise to enable them to achieve their, um, their sustainability goals. And so we do that through um, a host of strategies, but mostly through procurement. So we provide them with on-site or off-site um, solar projects or other types of renewables projects um, and develop impact strategies around, around those projects as well. So thanks for having us, excited to be here. Hi, my name is Jordan Jones. I'm NCSEA's Manager of Communications, Engagement, and Equity. 
Um, I'm excited to be here to talk to <clears throat> others in the working in the equity, diversity, and inclusiveness space. Um, thanks for having me, Matt. So both of your organizations are founding members of the Renewables Forward Initiative. What is this initiative? And can you tell us a little bit more about some of its goals? I'm, uh, I'm happy to, to, to uh, step in on that one. So Renewables Forward is a collaborative among a number of renewable energy companies and uh, industry nonprofits focused on driving diversity and inclusion into the renewable space. I think amid, well, I know amid a feeling of hopelessness and despair in 2020, um, many of us were looking for ways to effectively collaborate with one another and drive purposeful, solid, concrete steps through our, our industry and through our communities, really to do the work. And so Renewables Forward's focused on very discrete, concrete steps to enable um, minorities, women-owned businesses within the renewable space to flourish, to drive um, and welcome others uh, who, who may not be in the industry now, but should join, um, and to really enable diversity and inclusion across both our, uh, our companies and the work that we do and our customers. And so it started uh, this year with just a, a couple of us. Sarah and I were some of the driving forces at the beginning, and now it's expanded to dozens of companies across the country and dozens more uh, who have reached out to, to try to join. It's a really exciting opportunity. Um, now we want to prove what we set out to do, which is, as I said, concrete steps to ensure that we're making a difference um, and hard work takes time. So that's what we're focused on now. This was really Yuri's idea. <laughs> it's nice of him to, I was, uh, I was one, of the, one of the early people he reached out to with this idea. Um, and I was very receptive to it. Uh, we at Cypress Creek had um, <clears throat> been working on uh, racial justice issues, issues internally uh, since I joined in the middle of um, 2019. We have a group in Cypress called One Cypress, which is our diversity, equity, and inclusion committee. I'm an executive sponsor of that committee. And of course, um, with all of the uh, tragedy around George Floyd last spring, it really propelled us into, you know, much more urgent action through the summer. Um, and when Yuri came to me with this idea about renewables forward, um, you know, we, we had, I welcomed him with open arms because we've been doing a lot of work internally at Cyprus that um, we think collectively with the rest of the renewables industry is just so much more powerful. So I really appreciate that. You know, as a, as a testament to all of the, the hard work that you guys have started and, and talking about how you all have collaborated so well together, I was just looking at the Renewable Forward, Renewables Forward website, and there is quite an impressive list of, of partnering organizations as part of this collective already. And I'd imagine that's going to continue to grow. Um, so that's really, really exciting to see the momentum that's being built around these efforts so far. Yeah, you know, something you said, Yuri, um, really, I really um, appreciate it. And uh, something about Renewables Forward that um, I think is unfortunately a little rare, or at least becoming, maybe becoming less rare. Um, you know, you're not just saying you're working on equity, diversity, and inclusion to check a box or anything like that, you're actually committed to making a real impact. There are efforts to support organizations dedicated to some of these issues and um, a number of resources that have been put together for the industry at large. Can you tell us a little bit more about the impact that the initiatives had so far? Absolutely, yeah. Um, 
and Sarah chime in, of course, where you will. I think our first thing was um, immediately what we can do is commit financial resources to community investment and find other organizations that are doing this. Great example. I remember calling Sarah and I said, hey, Sarah, I got this great idea. We're going to put together high school scholarships for urban, um, urban populations here in D.C. and focus on uh, disadvantaged communities or under-resourced communities. And I had a whole idea of what we we're going to do. And Sarah said, hold on, there's an organization that does that already. And again, lead with humility a little bit, recognize like that's not, I'm not an expert in that. I don't know how to do that. Uh, it's a good idea. And guess what? Like someone else has that good idea. So we immediately partnered. Sarah knew the folks at the Urban Alliance who, this is what they do. Um, and they're based here in DC and Sarah knew somebody on the board there. We reached out, we immediately sponsored the Urban, uh, Urban Alliance and then introduced them to the entire renewable sport community. In fact, we introduced them to um, the board of SIA, the Solar Energy Industries Association. Uh, but we've also supported folks like the NAACP, Legal Defense uh, Fund, the Southern po uh, Poverty Law Center, um, and the Urban League. And I think collectively we've donated in excess of $200,000 to these organizations. That's the, I don't want to say that's the easy stuff because it's money and, and it's resources and people deserve credit for putting those resources to play. That's the stuff you can do relatively quick, quickly. The, the real work, I think the integrated work is reaching into our own organizations and then learning from one another. And that's the stuff that we're doing now through a lot of the um, HR initiatives that we're running. There's a woman named um, Liz Weir on our team that's doing a great job with that. Um, and I know she's working very closely with Sarah and her team, uh, but that's where we started. What can we do now to make a statement to put our hands to work, and then what's the work that we can do now that's incremental, but will take time, but in the end, we'll have a, a, maybe a disproportionate impact on our community within the renewable space. I would say that Yuri's um, totally right, that you do, we don't all need to reinvent the wheel here. Um, there are a number of great organizations that are doing work in this space, and we can ally with them or donate uh, funds, which, as Yuri said, you know, Southern Poverty Law Center, Urban League, um, NAACP. But, but um, so, so I agree, the humility is a really key part of this. Um, and also just really supporting organizations that have a long history uh, in terms of fighting racial injustice, very important. You know, Sarah, you kind of touched on something that I think we all know here. And that's uh, that energy, clean energy industry isn't alone in dealing with issues of systemic racism. It is all over throughout every aspect of our lives. And so being able to support organizations that do work beyond just clean energy is also really impactful and really important. So thank you for doing that. But I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about, you know, why you think it's important for the clean energy industry specifically to try and address some of these questions of systemic racism and breaking down these barriers that have been in place for so long. Well, you know, the core of our business, bringing clean energy to our communities, we think, um, goes a long way towards environmental justice. Um, but we don't think it's everything that we can do. Um, we believe that we have other um, societal uh, imperatives. And um, we, as, as Yuri said earlier, bringing multiple perspectives into the business um, can help us be more effective at meeting the clean energy objectives that we have in communities across the nation. 
So for a clean energy company that's serving all kinds of communities, it's important that we um, employ people from these communities. I might add to that just one observation, which is um, climate change is both a uh, generational challenge and a generational opportunity. Um, we, uh, and maybe it's a multi-generational challenge, right? I consider my, my challenge, I've been dedicated to it for my entire career and even before my career, but it's also an economic engine. We're going to build hundreds, if not thousands of times as much renewable energy as we have right now. It's really, um, you could think of it as like the great transformation of our entire energy infrastructure, how we create energy, how we transport energy, how we store energy, and ultimately how we procure energy. And it's a huge economic opportunity and engine for society. And it's, in, it's incredibly important that as we endeavor on this change, this, this journey that we're all on, that that journey is inclusive and that people have been left out historically, communities that have been left, left out are able to, to participate and ultimately to succeed alongside us. And so I think of renewables and, and solar as an economic engine and we can power communities with that engine all across the country if we're thoughtful about how we grow our infrastructure. And so I think that's, that's really important for us to be thoughtful about as leaders. Um, I've been doing this for over a decade and I feel like I owe that to, to our industry and to the communities that haven't been able to participate shoulder to shoulder with me and our team and our partners in this industry. So that's, that's I think, incredibly important too. Yeah, absolutely. And um, both kind of touched on this, but we have a long way to go to address these issues. It's certainly not a um, one and done uh, sort of problem. And looking forward, what would make you look back and say that the Renewables Forward Initiative was successful? Sure. I'll just, what I'm afraid of and, and fears a governing uh, piece of energy for me oftentimes is that we endeavor on it to do this work and we don't, we focus on the big stuff and don't get the small stuff done. So I'm just going to talk about doing the small stuff and it's not small in its impact. It's small in that it's, it's very discreet. So focus on concrete, discrete steps. We want to set up a mentorship program within renewables where people that are joining the space who are new to the space and aren't entrepreneurial and want to start their own company or want to succeed have mentors specifically there to help guide them and connect them in the industry. And that is focused on specifically women-owned business and minority-owned businesses. I want to execute on that. And I'm working with Gilbert and a number of others within the Renewable Forward space to do that. That's one concrete step. Number two, there is a, um, a guidebook or um, a best practices book that's been developed from the HR initiative for organizations like Cypress and Seoul and others to implement policies and to train folks on how to be more inclusive and to drive diversity. And I think if we can execute on that, that'd be tremendous. Um, and then finally, if we can see, if we're able to start to work outside of the renewable space with non nonprofits um, that are adjacent to us and really empowering them to work alongside of us, it's going to be a industry plus nonprofit plus government uh, plus corporate. Um, real solution here. And so triangulating all those in a way that communication is actively occurring. I don't know how to measure that, but I think that would feel very successful. So those are some of the goals I, I have. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I completely concur with the idea that um, our 
having concrete steps is really, really important in this, in this um, effort that we're making. Um, we have, uh, we have to reach out. We have to be very proactive in bringing people into the clean energy space, um, working with uh, historically black colleges and universities, working with diversity clubs at other universities, um, really reaching out proactively as part of our recruiting efforts. So going all the way back to recruiting and then into onboarding and training and the whole H, the whole human resources cycle. It's very important. And that is the playbook that uh, Yuri was referring to, which has been put together for best practices about how to increase diversity and inclusion in our organizations. Um, and, and then measuring that going forward is, is gonna be really important. Sarah, yeah, I'm I'm so happy that you mentioned that. I, I think it's a a well known issue. There's such a underrepresentation of women and people of color within the renewables industry. So we we have to take a a step back and and look inward first too um, to figure out what sort of issues we need to address within the industry, and then also talk about how we can support um, some of these bigger issues outside of the industry as well. So I'm I'm really glad that you had mentioned that. So we have a lot of listeners that are tuning in here uh, from North Carolina who want to get involved and make a difference from clean energy professionals to elected officials to supporters of the industry. What can they do to support a more equitable and just future in the clean energy industry and beyond? One of the things that I note, and this is just my perspective, is I think leading with authenticity and imperfection is really important for us all. Um, it's very hard right now to have challenging conversations, but I think having those conversations out in the open and establishing where you're coming from and what you're trying to achieve is important. Um, and that's not necessarily conventional wisdom at this moment, but that's what I would say is really important for people to really establish uh, deep personal relationships with one another is to be able to have the hard conversations in their daily life. Um, it's, uh, something I try to do. And I think when we don't have those um, we are, uh, we are building walls around one another and that's the last thing we need to be doing right now. Um, and so I, I would just encourage people to have those conversations, um, especially when you disagree with people, um, in your organization and understand where other people are respecting. I often refer to it as building bridges between where you are and where someone else is. Um, so that's my biggest, my biggest uh, piece of advice, uh, both personally and professionally, is uh, sit down and convene on hard topics and talk about them openly. We within Seoul have a JEDI, Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion team uh, that was created to, to manage these conversations. And, um, you know, we're still learning, but I think that's been really helpful for us. I, I mean, I guess I would say that uh, it's important important to get involved, get engaged in your local communities in, in whatever way you can possibly, you know, do join the school board, do the, you know, you have to yeah. be, doesn't have to be in energy. It can be <laughs> across the board. Um, there's, there's a, a great demand for community service um, in, in almost every community I've ever been in. And so I would say stay, get engaged and, and ask the hard questions, ask the hard questions of yourself. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, and do it, do it early. There's no, you never can start too early. I think you can do stuff now. Uh, there's lots of organizations you can join, 
you can join Renewables Board um, exactly. and reach out to reach out to us and, and work with us on our effort. Um, but I think that there are a lot of folks that really want to have this conversation and, and, and try to figure out how we all do better. Uh, and some of them you would never even suspect. No. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Join Renewables Forward. There's a lot of great uh, information on our website. Um, the, the Human Resources Playbook that we've talked about. I mean, there's a lot of really good resources, best practices that you can learn even if you're not in the renewables business. For, for both of you personally, um, you know, have there been issues or stories or things that have come to light over the past, you know, six, eight months since your involvement in the Renewables Forward Initiative that maybe you weren't aware of before that has, you know, become something that is something that we, we you know, want to work towards or work, uh, work towards addressing in the industry that maybe just this program and being involved has raised your awareness of these issues from even within your own organizations or if there are personal stories of people around you that you've had a chance to experience. I was just curious if maybe there's any sort of personal stories that you guys had to share. I, um, we had a, a three-part social equity series that was led by our One Cypress team last year. And we had a, um, a very powerful history professor from UCLA who gave us our first session um, and uh, talked about uh, the history of racism in America and really talked a lot about how it's, it's so many groups that, are, that have um, bias against them. And um, we then went on to two additional sessions that were entirely run internally by our, our team who volunteered to give their personal stories. And then we had breakout sessions. And guess what I learned in my small breakout session led by one of my amazing developers on, on the Cybersecurity team was how each and every person has a story about how race has really, and race racism, no matter whether they were whatever color the person was they, they've had or whatever you know, type of, of bias it was, everyone's had something happen to them. I mean, like the, so, so the amount of um, pain out there is, is so great and we, we just have to address it. We've got to get out there and start getting the positive messages out there. That's what I'm, I'm learning. Yeah, I, you know, that, uh, Sarah, I'm glad you, you talk about that. That's definitely a dynamic I, I struggle with in my own journey through challenging times. Um, resiliency is something I'm, I've, I've always um, counted on um, and uh, valued. And it doesn't mean that you don't feel the pain, but that you leave with the light because other people are feeling pain. And so um, that that is like deep core value, a, a deep core value for me in my life and in my professional life. And it's very hard for people to leave with that light. Um, right now it's feeling a lot better than it was six months ago. And so how do you, how do you um, if that's important to you personally and as a CEO in your leadership style and for your organization, how do you um, press people to lead with the light when they're feeling the pain? Um, and having that conversation. And of course, everyone's got to engage in this in different ways and through their own journey. Um, but that is important stuff. And it's, I think we're all trying to understand how to do it. Um, so uh, that's, I, I mean, I think that's, a, you know, something we're still working through. Honestly, the whole country is. One thing I encourage my 
people and myself is when you come to work, bring your whole self. You know, I want your whole self. We're all an, you know, I want you to be an integrated person at work. So um, uh, I know that there's some things that we're not all proud of. And uh, so bring, but, but bring it, bring it all in. We, we want to, I want to see it. I want to know you because your whole self is going to add so much more. And, you know, I think you, you both, you know, hit the nail on the head and, and leading with that light. And it is very enlightening to see the amount of organizations that have come together and all recognize that this is a real issue that we need to, to address collectively. Um, and so I just, I commend both of y'all's organizations for, uh, being leaders in the field and, and really taking a step forward and helping to bring some of these issues to light and bring resources to the table uh, to start addressing some of these issues like systemic racism. So thank you both again so much for joining us today on this episode of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast. We are so excited that you guys were here. Uh, I'm excited to have you all back in the future to talk about some additional updates on on future programs and initiatives that the Renewables Forward uh, initiative has has come up with and put together. So, Sarah, I just wanted to thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you, Matt. Really, really great conversation. Love joining you, Jordan and Yuri, uh, and I love your name, Squeaky Clean. Thank you, and and Yuri, thank you again so much for joining us today as well. Yeah, Matt, thanks, thanks for having me. Honored to be here. And Sarah, good to be here with you as well. All right. So we just had the chance to get the lowdown from our new friends at the Renewables Forward Initiative, where they were highlighting the industry-wide efforts taking place all across the country. Now, I'm excited to share a North Carolina-focused interview where we sat down with NCSEA member Leyline Renewable Capital to talk about their program, Leyline Addressing Racism. So... Without further ado, let's talk more about this important topic with our next guest. Clean energy. Clean energy. Next up on the podcast is a guest with 20 plus years of legal practice in structured finance, including nine years financing more than a gigawatt in renewable energy projects. She was the founding team lead for renewable energy lending programs with Self-Help Credit Union and Live Oak Bank, building each into the largest USDA secured energy lenders in the country. Even further, she's worked in consulting, supporting solar and renewable natural gas projects overseas in countries like Puerto Rico. Friends of the pod, please welcome Rebecca Chilton, Director of Project Finance with Leyline Renewable Capital. Thank you, delighted to be here. And next, we're excited to welcome our next guest who has extensive experience in the academic and technology fields through his tenure at North Carolina State University's Freedom Systems Center, where he contributed to projects involving small-scale solar plus storage, direct current microgrids, and energy efficiency. Further, our guest served as a research assistant at Wake Forest University, where he investigated the efficacy and value of sustainable cotton initiatives. Friends of the pod, Please welcome Alan Odor, Development Analyst at Leyline Renewable Capital, to the pod. Hello, Matt. Glad to be on as well. Fantastic. All right. So to get started, can you guys tell us a little bit more about Leyline Renewable Capital and your work in the clean energy space? We'll start with Rebecca on this one. Sure. Um, So Leyline is a relatively small investment fund kind of born out of a bunch of people who did development. 
And the reason why Leyline was founded was because as developers, our founders really uh, had uh, identified a gap in the market. And that was how do projects just get from the earliest stages into um, later stages of the project development process where capital tends to more readily show up. Fantastic. And as our listeners on the Squeaky Clean podcast heard a little bit earlier, I am lucky enough to be joined by my colleague Jordan Jones, NCSEA's Manager of Communications, Engagement, and Equity, to tag team with me on this interview. Great. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Um, So Rebecca and Alan, um, in the last few years, and especially last year in 2020, we've seen more companies take a public stance on racism and systemic inequality. Um, We all know there's so much more work to do, though. And so given this, what role does the clean energy industry play in moving the conversation forward? Um, So uh, I would say for me, um, a couple of things. Um, First of all, um, I think one of the great strengths of the renewable energy industry is innovation. And so um, while it's not a direct relationship, the mindset of innovation, an open mind and the ability to problem solve uh, on the ground in real time and quickly is really a hallmark of this industry. And so applying that to questions of systemic racism and social inequality, um, I think we have an advantage of having already a very open and innovative mindset. And so looking at actual real solutions to real problems is something that we as an industry can bring to the table. Yeah, and I think I would just add to that is the role the clean energy industry is playing is carrying on these social justice conversations in a different arena. Um, One that is not housing or education or police violence, other areas where you typically see racism and systemic inequality. Um, I think it's acknowledging that we're not in this altruistic bubble in which we believe that doing our part is just addressing climate change through innovations in renewable energy. I think it's also acknowledging that um, we live in a society and we can do much more than help transit, accelerate the transition to clean energy. We can also do our part in moving the conversation forward and using the resources we have, working together as an industry to create systemic change. Yeah, I really love that. Thanks. You know, I, um, as you guys were talking, I was reminded um, how one of the, uh, er- one of the ways I'm able to um, engage a whole variety of people on this topic is whatever they do, whatever part of um, the workforce they're in, wherever they live, in systemic inequality and racism is there in some way. And so um, I love seeing industries that maybe aren't um, on first glance uh, directly tied to racism or systemic inequality really taking a stance and um, making some real change. So I'm really excited to have you guys here. So back in the summer of of 2020, Leyline Renewable Capital created a a new internal program called Leyline Addressing Racism in light of everything taking place in society. So can you talk a little bit more about the inception of the program and some of the goals uh, from the onset? Um, Certainly. I think the 
the working group Leyline Addressing Racism really came from uh, throughout the company. At that time, we were only 14 people, so it was a relatively small group of folks. But but from the top down and the bottom up, there was this realization that we had the opportunity to um, do something different. Um, and that meant not um, doing a public relations statement and kind of filing it away in a drawer, but actually um, kind of putting on our on our running shoes and really running the race um, with with our allies and showing up in a really real and tangible way. Um, and I think that that it just really moved all of us. And and at the company, I think we have a we have a really open dialogue going on about all sorts of questions of leadership and impact. Um, and so it made us particularly interested in seeing what we could do as a company to um, create new ways of thinking and new ways of doing business. Um, and so we formed the working group as kind of uh, not a place where the anti-racism conversation goes to die, but rather um, as a true working group taking the mandate from the rest of the country I mean, company um, and, and from ourselves and developing opportunities and pathways for people to have, have real tangible impact. So we, um, we founded ourselves around a group of, of principles that are really focused on action, um, on learning as we go um, and on being courageous I think one of the things that we felt really strongly about um, was that in being action oriented, you have to accept the reality that you may make mistakes. Um, and I think well-meaning companies um, who have good hearts around the question of racism and, and systemic inequality um, become really fearful about making a mistake. Um, and I think for us, we wanted to we wanted to take it from a, another direction. We wanted to say, um, if we are action oriented, we know that we are going to make missteps. We are going to be um, humble around being told that we have um, maybe been misdirected or that we need to check ourselves and um, that we are, uh, I, I think one of our founding principles, I've, I've got them up here in front of me, um, is courage. And, and we said, courage, we expect that we, as we encounter the issue of racism head on, we will face criticism, suspicion, and even anger. Courage is virtue at the testing point. So we we kind of adopted this principle that said, um, learn as we do, but do, um, and that we will be measured and held accountable by what we have done, um, and not just by what we have said. That for me, as as one of the the original members, um, was was incredibly important. And I would say the other principle that that um, we we do as a, a bit of a sense of humor for the rest of the company is that um, our group, Leyline Addressing Racism, is not your proxy. Um, we are not, um, again, the place where you can just check that box and we'll go do the work. We are constantly bringing um, the conversation back into all of our meetings, all of our leadership discussions. Um, and I personally am, am kind of constantly pushing our, our two founders to, to do more and to think more. And, and we have changed um, and we have already made a tangible contribution, though small, we're still new. Um, but I think that that action oriented courage and the, the simple refusal to be the place where 
racism questions go to die um, is is really inherent and important in what Leyline Addressing Racism is, is intended to do. Great. And and so this program, Leyline Addressing Racism, has, has been in place for, for just over two quarters. Can you tell us about any of the headway the program has made thus far? Sure. Um, yeah. So the three... Um, the three focus areas that we felt as a company, given what we do and given the strengths of the people who work at Leyline, um, we could really have impact in were um, education, that is uh, opening up renewable energy as um, a topic of education at every level along the, the academic path. So from high school STEM programs all the way through graduate programs um, and making ourselves available to educational institutions, particularly HBCUs, has been a very strong focus of ours um, to kind of, uh, I think one of the reasons why we feel that there's a lack of diversity in renewable energy is that is that um, communities of color, like the larger community, don't know a whole lot about how one starts to work in renewable energy, so or even what it is. Um, and so education has been a, a primary focus. We have, um, first and foremost worked on developing relationships with HBCUs, not the sort of tokenism of showing up and saying, can we recruit or can you post our job posting, but we want to partner with you and be a resource to your students and to your faculty um, about uh, the various aspects of renewable energy. So Alan and um, and his colleagues have talked with um, North Carolina A&T, um, which is an HBCU in Greensboro, about engineering. I've spoken to North Carolina Central Law School, um, which is another HBCU, um, about sort of being an attorney in renewable energy and some of the issues that um, that come up there. We participate in cre- career fairs and um, and really focus on building out an educational program. So I think we've already made headway there, and um, this year I think we'll see a lot more involvement across the company. So we have, um, for instance, a career fair coming up at Elizabeth City State University um, where our founder is um, gonna uh, participate. So really, again, opening up pathways for the whole company to participate. Um, The second area of emphasis is employment. Um, And by employment, we mean not just opening up jobs and seeing if we can hire diverse candidates, but going to the absolute core of how we hire and recrafting everything. So recrafting our job descriptions, recrafting our posting strategy, recrafting our interview process, recrafting how we review resumes, completely uh, doing a full-scale gut renovation of the hiring process so that we can bring in the best practices and then share those best practices back out with others in the industry. We have also learned from others in the industry, Soul Systems being a great resource uh, already for us. And I know um, you're going to be speaking with them as well, um, really being able to share best practices, successes and failures. And again, with that posture of humility, that when we are, when we get a reflection back of what worked and what didn't work, we go back to the drawing board and improve. Um, and so it's a kind of a constant improvement um, process, as well as creating employment opportunities and um, and looking to um, 
diversify our workforce in a, in a real way. Um, and lastly, um, the, so, so the kind of bridging education and employment is um, we have developed within the last two quarters um, our sort of what will become our flagship internship. It's called the Renewable Energy X Internship at Leyline. So it's called Real. Um, and uh, we created it, posted for it. Um, recruited for it at a bunch of different institutions, got great resumes, um, and have hired um, a woman who is so crackerjack that uh, though the program was focused on juniors, she's a sophomore um, at A&T and um, has joined us um, a couple of weeks ago and already is just learned, we're working with her to learn as much as she can about the renewable energy industry and what we do. Um, in the spring semester and then in the summer, she'll um, be kind of more of a classic summer intern doing projects. Um, so that's been a, a real tangible progress for us. And lastly, our, our third focus area is finance and partnerships. Um, and uh, that means looking at ways in which our financing and development expertise can be brought to bear on projects that um, serve uh, communities of color. And so, um, you know, both in, um, you know, just being a financial resource and, and improving our marketing towards, say, nonprofit projects that, that are serving communities of color, but also um, looking around the Durham community and partnering with institutions um, in Durham specifically that, that um, serve communities of color and helping um, do some of the development tasks with them that that might seem a little daunting to them um, otherwise. So that is probably the one that is the longest to realize because it takes a lot of relationship building. Um, but but those are, are the three focus areas and the progress that we've made so far. We feel really proud of it, but we also realize this is just scratching the surface. There's a lot more to do. Well, that's all really, really exciting. And I'm sure, um, Alan will probably touch on it a little bit later and, and how you're, you know, sharing some of those best practices with the industry, because I know I personally am very curious to hear more about how you're kind of revisiting the practice of hiring and the partnerships with some of the HBCUs around the, the state. Um, so I, I know our listeners are as well. So um, I think Alan will probably hit on that in a little bit as well. So on this episode, we've heard from the Renewables Forward Initiative and the efforts that that group is taking to address some of these issues industry-wide. Given that Leyline is a North Carolina-based company, what are some of the specific measures that the company is taking to address systemic inequality in North Carolina's clean energy industry? So yeah, and again, as Rebecca mentioned, I think the problem or one of the issues with the, re the reason why we, the renewable energy is not as diverse is based on my experience as a student at A&T, renewable energy is just not something that's on a lot of students' radar, right? I think a lot of people have the typical, you know, you got to be a doctor or a lawyer or um, a nurse or an entrepreneur. Um, I remember I, I'm an HBCU grad. I went to A&T and I remember my whole time there, I was probably one of the only people who was interested in the renewable energy industry. There were not many people like me. And it's because, you know, it, it's not on our radar. It's not something we grow up learning to aspire for. And I think what Leyline is trying to do right now is one, educate the people, okay, this industry, it exists beyond just, you know, solar panels and 
climate change. There's actually real jobs in this industry that matter in terms of engineering. There's, yeah, it's like I said, it's something that's just generally not on students' radar, and we're trying to um, do that through education and employment to get it more on students, diverse students' radar, students of college radar. What and Alan, I'm curious actually, what kind of initially sparked your interest in renewable energy? How did that? How did it get onto your radar? My passion for the renewable energy industry came started in 2012. Um, a little background: I'm from Kenya, and I was reading all these reports about how renewable energy, specifically solar, is really taking off across the African continent. And um, when I moved here, now 17, I've always had a goal to go back and do something meaningful for my country and the African continent as a whole. And it seemed like renewable energy is a good fit. And it, it was kind of started taking off at that time as well. So I just felt like it, it was a calling. And um, in terms of like diversity in renewable energy, I'd like to tell a couple little anecdotes. So back in 2013, I was working at NC State University um, undergraduate research lab. And a, a story I always love to tell is um, I was undergraduate research there. And the the or the building is divided into two floors. So the top floor is like the offices and the cubicles, and the uh, bottom floor is the high bay labs. As an undergraduate student, you're typically not given access to the high bay lab without a graduate student uh, uh, escorting you. There was one time where I had to get something from the low bay lab, and I asked a graduate student for his pass to go down uh, to get it. And he just casually handed it off to me. And I was thinking in my mind, wait a minute, you, you know, you're just sending me down. You're supposed to be escort. He's like, well, and his, his response was, well, I don't need to worry about you. You're the only black person here. You know, it's not like I'm going to, I'm not going to forget you. So, and it, it didn't, it really hit me down. I was like, oh, that, that's right. I am the only black person here. And that was, I didn't really think about it then, but it's something that's always kind of stuck with me. And it came, it, it, it kind of like came, came about again last year. I was at this conference and I saw uh, another black person at the conference. And I just felt like this elation. I was like, wow, there's somebody else here that looks like me. And it's almost like, one, I shouldn't have to feel this way, right? I, I, I came into this industry passionate about what we're doing. And over time, I've kind of realized that, what you know, it didn't bother me much before, but the fact that there's not that many people in this industry that look at look like me really impacts you. And back when I met that person and we talked about the problem with diversity in this industry, back then I didn't I wasn't in a position to do anything about it. I didn't have a job. I was at the conference looking for a job. And I feel like now that I'm I have a job here at Leyline and I'm in a position to do something as part of this working group, um, I'm very inspired and motivated to contribute to efforts including diversity just so that maybe in the future there, there's not going to be another kid like me who has to experience that um being the only black person in a space that you're passionate about um overall we're really excited to have such an innovative and forward-thinking company like leyline within our membership and you know even just hearing the way you guys have talked about how you are approaching um this work that you're being courageous and not being afraid to take risks and um, or misstep. Uh, that's how NCSEA views our work. And so um, we're really excited to have you um, on our team. And, you know, I'm curious, how are these efforts being shared with industry colleagues so that, you know, it's not just one or two groups 
or companies here or there that it's um, more uh, prevalent throughout the industry. Yeah. Um, so what we're doing is, you know, to hold ourselves accountable, one of the things we do is we publish a quarterly ESG report on our website. Um, we also share updates through our weekly newsletter, which you can sign up for on our website. And we also do posting on social media, LinkedIn, just sharing our learnings and what we're doing, um, putting it out there in the internet. Um, we've also been working with the Renewables Forward Initiative. As we mentioned, um, our CEO is part of the leadership working group, seeing, how, seeing what can be done at the senior executive level. Um, here at Leyland, we've also got a working group that's collaborating with students from NIT, MIT Sloan Sustainability Program. And we're trying to develop some diversity and diversity and inclusion inclusion solutions that is currently we're currently being we're currently in the process of of formulating what that's going to look like. And our goal is to through through collaborating with the student is to bring something additional to the table, bring some sort of um, process or analysis or research proposal to renewables forward. Yes. So, so yeah, I, I mentioned you, we're, we're, we collaborated with students from MIT Sloan Sustainability Program students to develop a project for them to work on this semester as a capstone project. And we're hoping that the results of that can be shared with, internally here at Leyline as well as with Renewables Forward. Another example, Jordan, is um, that uh, so we are funded by New Light Capital um, and we are responsible for reporting on environment, social and governance. Um, uh, objectives to them on a quarterly basis. Um, they're, uh, they, as a fund, as a as an investor, are really focused on ESG um, matters. And uh, so we have even done in our way um, progress there. Um, in the questions that they gave us, we felt like some of them maybe uh, could be improved, could get at the heart of what they're looking for better, um, or uh, maybe the data could be presented in a different way that was much more meaningful. So even in something as simple as how are we reporting internally to our investor, we're looking all the time under every rock, like how can we, how can we improve? How can we be better at reporting? How can we be better at, um, at, uh, at our performance, at, um, at, at being creative and coming up with ideas. And so, you know, from the small to the large, we're really looking at every, you know, at every opportunity to say, how can we move the conversation forward and how can we see action from that? Um, so that's been, that was a really fun thing to kind of, you know, it's a little, <laughs> you get a little tre trepidation going to your investor going like, maybe you want to rephrase that question in a different way. Um, but I think it made it better. I think it made, made the whole purpose of the reporting um, more powerful. So um, I think it's when you when you change your mind, you change your reality. Um, and we decided last summer to change our mind and become a, not just an environmental climate change impact company, but one that was going to be a social impact leader. Um, and when you when you decide to do that, then ways in which you can do that open up. And I think that's probably what we would say to anyone in the industry is, is um, it starts with a change of mindset and willingness to learn. Awesome. Well, Rebecca and Alan, we thoroughly enjoyed the conversation this morning. Thank you so much for spending some time with us, telling us a little bit more about Leyline addressing racism, sharing some of your own personal experiences. 
and really helping it, helping to to kickstart some of these conversations that are you know super important in this time and uh, and this is not the end of these conversations of course and so we would love to to have both of you back uh, in a future episode of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast to continue to provide more updates on. Uh, the work of Leyline as you guys are working on addressing um, systemic inequality and, and racism. So, um, Alan, I wanted to thank you so much for, for joining us on today's episode. Glad to be here, Matt. Thank you. And, and Rebecca, I wanted to thank you as well for, for being here and joining us as a guest as well. It was great. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Jordan. All right. So my key takeaway from today's episode is while the issue of systemic inequality spans much, much larger than the renewables industry, our impact on addressing pieces of it cannot be understated. We heard from the Renewables Forward Initiative that banding together as an industry can lead to some real significant concrete actions to drive financial support, attention, and additional resources to this important issue. However, while this topic is large scale and spans outside of just the industry, we still have the responsibility to turn the spotlight around on ourselves and start to analyze our own companies and ourselves as individuals to determine what we can do better to be more inclusive and create an industry more representative of our communities as a whole. I also wanted to take a minute to thank Jordan Jones for joining us on today's episode and diving into this important topic. This is something that deserves quite a bit of attention and obviously something we're not going to do justice with just one episode of a podcast. So I'm sure our listeners want to know how we take these conversations and move them into action. So to start, I'd love to direct you to reach out to Jordan. She's a great person to talk to about these issues of systemic inequality in the clean energy field. You can also get involved in NCSEA's Women in Clean Energy program, an effort led by Jordan to foster a community of support, solidarity, and camaraderie for self-identifying North Carolinian professional women in the clean energy industry. You can find out more about the program at energync.org forward slash Weiss, W-I-C-E. And that's a wrap on today's episode of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast. But before you go, I'll leave you with another dad joke to hold you over until our next episode. What do you call a scientist that steals energy? A jewel thief. Get it? Jewel, J-O-U-L-E. And you know the deal. Let's stay in touch on Twitter. Give me a shout at Matt Abel, M-A-T-T-A-B-E-L-E, for future episode ideas, questions for our next episode, thoughts on today's episode, and your worst energy joke one-liners. And episode 44 of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast is in the books. But before you leave, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share the pod on whatever platform you're listening in from. Sharing this podcast with your network and growing the friends of the pod helps us get just a little bit closer to our shared vision of a clean energy economy for North Carolina. All right, that's it. See y'all later.